You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast. I am your host, Evie McLeod. Today, I am taking over the podcast solo, and I thought it'd be kind of fun to bring on a guest in the fashion industry world and discuss something a little, shall we say, eye-opening. If you've ever wondered what all this hubbub about sustainable fashion or ethical fashion is, what that maybe even means, how to do your part as either a brand or as a consumer then this episode is for you. Today, I invited my friend Jessica Kelly onto the show. Now, Jessica is the founder and CEO of Threefold. She spent a decade helping hundreds of fashion and lifestyle brands in New York City grow their business through marketing, sales, and PR. During a life-changing trip to India, she saw firsthand the issues with the supply chain and fashion industry and was set on a mission to change it. Now, Threefold provides fashion brands with access to an ethical supply chain and training so they can grow their business for people, planet, and profit. Now, today, Jessica and I are talking about everything sustainable and ethical fashion. We cover everything from what the heck even is sustainable fashion, all the way to the behind the scenes of being a brand in the fashion world and how much you may not know about working with manufacturing and product development There's just a lot that goes into it. I even share some of my behind the scenes of starting Evie Swim, what I learned, what I learned the hard way. It's a lot. We also discuss steps you can take as a consumer to support sustainable and ethical fashion brands and movements, as well as steps you can take as a brand or as a founder trying to make waves in this industry. So if you've ever thought made in the USA or made in America meant made better, you'll want to listen. If you ever think that you know the exact definition of a quote-unquote sustainable brand, you'll want to listen. If you've ever felt overwhelmed or exhausted by the sustainability conversation in the fashion world, you'll want to (laughs) listen. One of the things I love so much about Jessica in this conversation is that it can be messy and confusing trying to wrap our heads around sustainability, but she breaks everything down in such a way that you'll walk away feeling empowered and excited rather than discouraged or overwhelmed. I am really excited for this conversation, so I'm just going to stop blabbing and we can get started. You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast with Evie Rupp and Lindsay Roman, two photographers turned entrepreneurs and founders of the Heart University. If you're a creative entrepreneur or a motivated dreamer wanting to make the most of your life, this podcast is for you. Each week, Evie and Lindsay bring you actionable tools to uplevel your business and life. So if you're ready to step up to the plate and pursue your God-given potential, you're in the right place. You're ready to live your life and run your business to its fullest? Then buckle up, because here are your hosts, Evie and Lindsay. Jessica, welcome on to the Heart and Hustle podcast. I'm so excited for today's conversation. Thank you so much for having me. I am honored and stoked to be here. It's going to be so fun. Okay, well, for anyone who maybe doesn't know you, do you want to introduce yourself to our audience and tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I'm Jessica Kelly. I am the founder and CEO of Threefold. Uh, Threefold is a platform essentially helping fashion brands get connected to ethical factories and make more sustainable decisions so they can grow and we can all grow the fashion industry for people, planet, and profit. Um, I have worked over 10 years in fashion in New York City, um, cut my teeth on the runways at Fashion Week in PR, and, um, and then worked in marketing and sales. So I've worked with 
hundreds of brands, um, small, large, uh, top brands like Tory Burch, Tommy Hilfiger, Alexander Wang, Oscar de la Renta, to small brands that um, you've not heard of yet that are just getting started and everything in between. And so I love fashion. And I just hit a point um, a few years into my career where I felt like it could be better. And that kind of led me on this whole journey uh, to figuring out what that was. And um, here I am today um, trying to build something that is a solution to making the industry better. So very honored to be on this journey and I'm excited to see where it goes. Yes, you are just a powerhouse of an entrepreneur and in this space. And it's been a joy to get to know you for a little while on social media and you know, have conversations with you. And now this conversation I think is going to be so fun. And we were talking a little bit before we pressed record. And I was just saying like, my goal in this conversation is just to talk about the behind the scenes, the ins and outs, the, you know, the hidden unknowns, whatever of the fashion industry that a lot of us as consumers are completely in the dark about. Like we don't know what we don't know. And I think there's a lot of stuff that I've learned in starting Evie Swim and you know, you have learned in your years of being in the thick of it in the mm-hmm. fashion world. <laughs> so why don't we just first start off by talking about what sustainable fashion is? Because I feel like that word can get thrown around a lot, just like, you know, organic. And a lot of people don't fully understand what that means. So do you want to dive into what that actually means. Yeah, let's open up the can of worms right away. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Hold nothing back. (laughs) Uh, So I think if you really want to get practical, what I've always delineated is uh, sustainable fashion is focused on the planet and ethical fashion is focused on the people, the labor. Now, there's the the reason it's so confusing is because it is confusing. Uh, there isn't one real definition. There isn't one arrival point that one gets at when you're suddenly sustainable one day and you're good to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of people also use the word sustainable and sustainability as an overarching theme for just be better, be conscious kind of uh, feel goody vibes. Um, so it's, it is really intangible. So it's confusing for a reason. You're not, um, you're not misplaced in your confusion if you're (laughs) feeling that. Um, and I mean, honestly, even within like experts that I get to, you know, the privilege of working alongside, um, we all kind of have a different definition and disagree on what, uh, it might necessarily be or the start and end of it or who, who is in it and who's not in it. And, um, there's just so many conflicting, uh, perspectives and journeys, I don't know, priorities, I guess. So Mm -hmm. it is, it's, it's, it's a very gray, murky word, I think. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, yes, amen, because especially, you know, getting started in the, sustainable, ethical fashion world with Evie Swim, it was so overwhelming to, you know, hear different opinions on like, this is sustainable. This is not, this is ethical. This is not, you know, you have to start this way. This brand is doing this right. This brand is doing this terrible, like the same exact brand. And it was just, it's so chaotic. And I think it can be really hard as a brand too, because it is such a gray area. And as a consumer, you know, you're trying to to learn and to grow and to do better, you know, like we're the whole point is, and it can be really hard when you're hearing all these different perspectives and different rules 
and you're like, okay, what the heck? You know, as a consumer, let's say specifically, you know, what the heck? I've heard this brand is good. And then on the, like from a different person on the other side, I've heard this brand is terrible. Like it's the same brand. What do I do? So do you have thoughts on like the person who's feeling like they want to take a couple steps and they're really overwhelmed? My thought is, girl, I feel you. I am so there. Um, I, (laughs) I think my, my overwhelming frustration is, um, I don't know, it it goes in a few different directions. Um, this is one of those many areas in our world right now where everyone has an opinion. They think everyone should know it and it's irrefutable. (laughs) Um, and that gets really frustrating because it's exactly what you said. It's, well, this is right. And this isn't right. And this brand does this right. And this brand does this wrong. And this brand isn't sustainable. And this brand is sustainable. And at the end of the day, it's so much noise and it's Mm -hmm. really, it's frustrating. Um, I, um, yeah, I, I think, my my biggest thought is um, th- there is no one day you're sustainable and the, the yesterday you weren't. Um, yeah. Sustainability is a journey. And if brands like Patagonia and Eileen Fisher, who are really spearheading the way and still very much, I mean, by a landslide are leaders in the industry and what they're doing, if they're still working on being more sustainable we all have a lot of work to do in the industry. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's A, the first reality that one should come to. Um, But then B, if you're in fashion, it's a product-based industry. So no matter what you're doing, what you're doing isn't sustainable, right? Like if you're making a product at all. Um, But we are also people. Like you can't just stop breathing to be more sustainable. So, um, (laughs) you know, I think it's, it's being more realistic about what, what can you change and what can't you change? And, mm-hmm. and what, um, what do you have the, the power to change that you can take one step at a time each day? Um, and I think that that's really the journey we should all be on is having that intention and then following through um, with action on that intention. So yeah, um, not everyone in the space agrees with me, um, but I just think the the negative sentiment of you're not this you're this kind of fight back and forth it, it tends to ostracize people or keep people from even trying and this yeah. isn't even for consumers this is for brands um yeah. who are like well we'll never be sustainable and look at how H&M gets canceled and yelled at for trying so we're just not going to i never yeah. ever ever want that to happen i want everyone to feel like they can take one step at a time and keep improving and there are a lot of brands that do but they will not talk about it so yeah. um yeah i mean i think cancel culture uh infiltrates a lot of different areas of our lives these days and that's one of them so mm-hmm. working to try and make people more journey minded and hopefully make that a better process uh, I love that, especially as, you know, a brand in, in the fashion industry. It's it's such a breath of fresh air to hear like, yes, it's a journey, you know, figuring out as you go. Because I know, I feel like the whole sustainability and, and movement can be very cutthroat for new startups and new brands. Mm-hmm. And it can be really intimidating to, you know, be trying your best with limited resources and then have people you know, be furious that how dare you not do X, Y. And you're like, Mm -hmm. I didn't even know X, Y existed. Like, I'm Mm -hmm. just like trying my best with what I have. Um, And I know a lot of other product-based listeners who are listening to this are probably feeling the same way if they're taking that step in that direction. So I feel like you're giving a lot of permission, Jessica, and just like 
hey, it's a journey. Like we're always going to be improving. It's not like overnight, you know, you can launch a brand and be 100% sustainable from day one. Like it's, it's a process and it's a journey. And sometimes you just have to take one step at a time and constantly be looking for ways to, to grow and improve and learn. And that has to be part of it. So I love that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I would love to hear in your story, like what, because you mentioned, you know, you started with the runway shows and like the fashion weeks and all of that. What really drew you into sustainable fashion? Like, was there a moment or a situation where you were like, whoa, this needs to change? Yeah, there was one very, very specific moment. So I, um, I, I mean, I had overall a few years into my career wanted my career to mean more. I I felt deeply called to the fashion industry. I have wanted to work in fashion since I was eight years old. I love it, but it is a lot of double worst Prada jobs. Um, and that part, I mean, honestly, that part's kind of still the same. Um, (laughs) but, uh, I just felt like there had to be something more, this industry, everybody is affected by this industry. I mean, talk about double worst Prada. There's a, a scene where, um, you know, Miranda is talking about how uh, you think you're not a part of the fashion industry because you wear this lumpy blue sweater when actually, you know, and she goes through this list of how Andy is actually very much a product of the room she's standing in. And I just feel like fashion, whether you buy into trends and brands or not, everyone wears clothes and it is something that does affect everyone. Um, and so I was trying to kind of figure out like, what is the deeper meaning and impact that could, that would have? I didn't want to leave the fashion industry. Many people do when they get frustrated with it. They just go to a nonprofit or, or somewhere they see a tangible difference being made, which is great. Um, but I wanted to stay. I wanted to fix it. And mm-hmm. um, that same year, an opportunity presented itself for me to go on a mission trip to Zimbabwe. And I took it. And, um, I, it was my first time in a developing nation and I was so overwhelmed by the joy and the generosity of the people. Um, but at the same time, the very severe lack of job opportunity and despite, I mean, extreme hustle and amazing entrepreneurial skills and effort, um, I was having a conversation with a matriarch in the community who was simply explaining to me the decision she was having to make of which grandchild got to go to school because she couldn't afford to send them both. And they, um, her, her daughter and her two grandchildren were living in about half of a house, um, that had just the sink in the kitchen had running water. Um, and I just, I, I was so not okay with that. And, um, I happened to be running camera and we were interviewing her and I was hiding behind the camera as tears just dreamed uncontrollably down my face. And Mm. I, you know, I don't know, moments like that, when you have a moment like that, you have to pay attention to it. Um, because it's those burning bush moments where you're like, I got, I have to do something. And I remember being on the flight back to New York city and the closer I got to the Manhattan skyline, just feeling more and more just anxiety and weight and overwhelm hitting me. The job I was in at the time was the worst boss I've ever had. Um, and just feeling like I did not want to go back. I was dreading going back into that office. And I just, I knew I had to do something. And I, I knew now that it was figuring out how to create sustainable employment around the world. Um, and I'll connect that to another trip, which is actually what got me to what I'm doing now with threefold. So that was 
the moment when I knew I had to do something and, and what, you know, shifting more towards what that was. Um, but a lot of things happened between then and what I'm doing now. Um, it didn't, you know, I didn't have that moment and go, oh, this is it. I've got it. I'm going to, you know, go off and save the world. Um, <laughs> it's really a, a process and a journey that I went on like that year, um, a massive factory collapsed in Dhaka, Bangladesh, killing over 1,100 people in one day. <sighs> and um, it was the first recent event uh, that had really exposed the exploitation and issues that were being hidden in fashion supply chain because we are decentralized and all over the globe. Yeah. And um, so I started kind of putting two and two together and things that um, fashion is the largest labored industry in the world. One in six people work in it. Um, and of all the clothing sold in America, 97% of it is made in developing nations where these jobs matter the most. Um, okay. And like I said before, we're not talking about do you get to go to college? We're talking about, does your daughter get to have an elementary school education where she's literate? And are you going to be able to feed your kids at night? Do you have a roof without a hole in it over the top of your heads? So there's really, this is reality for a lot of people on this planet. Um, and bringing manufacturing into countries has lifted people out of poverty. And I think if we can do that by actually ensuring really safe sustainable employment in an even better way, we can do even more than that. And so, um, that, that all, I mean, gosh, I think it took me a year before I even came up with the name for threefold. And I even started it more as a marketing agency. Cause I was like, well, what do I have in my hand? I can do marketing. So let me start with that. And, um, it wasn't until a couple years later and I, what I was doing wasn't really resonating. Um, I mean, it just, it wasn't working and it also wasn't making the impact that I had intended to. Like my whole point is to create sustainable employment. I could barely create employment for me. You know, how am I supposed <laughs> yeah. to, what am I supposed to do with that? Um, and I, it was coming up on my 30th birthday and uh, which is a great, you know, come to Jesus moment in your life of like, oh, what am I doing? <laughs> and, um, I, I just, had this feeling in my gut that I needed to go to India. I had this idea, um, but I did not have a background in production. And I was like, I need to get on the ground. I need to go into factories. I need to learn more about their perspective and what they're doing. And I don't even know why it was India. I just knew I had to go. And so I crowdfunded. I went to India for a month for research and development. I met with incredible factories. Mind you, I booked this ticket knowing not a single soul in India. Um, and I just started reaching out to literally anyone and everyone, including a poor woman sitting on the bench next to me in Union Square. Um, <laughs> and I'm just like, do you know anyone in factories in India? <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> no shame, no shame. Um, and so I, I went there and I ended up having these incredible experiences, not all great, some really hard. Um, I worked with um, some sewing workshops in the slums in India where, you know, people are, their bathroom is the landfill out the window. And, um, mm. I also went into factories that were doing amazing things like employing women who had been rescued out of sex trafficking and providing life skill classes and financial planning classes and housing. And I met with India's largest manufacturing exporter. They make for Target, H&M, Kohl's, and they have leading labor standards in the industry. They have machines that dye denim with one glass of water. They have daycare for their employees' kids. And um, I was just 
completely overwhelmed. Like the, the, the made in Asia stigma still, I mean, and I think still is strong today. It's like, Oh, well that's, that's made here. It must be bad. Um, and I was like, okay, so that's not true. That's not an indicator. Um, but what they all also had in common were terrible websites and yeah. it just seemed obvious to me why, you know, you, it's not like you as a brand can just go on to Google and be like ethical factories and all these yeah. you know options come up and you're like, great, let me pick one. Um, so it seemed to me it needed to be a place kind of like Airbnb where brands could just come find the right factories, um, to, to clean up, shape up their supply chain and just do, do their business as usual. Um, so that really was, that was, that was a, you know, few years of journeying through that process to get to that idea. And that was, you know, and then I had to come home and build it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that's, you know, kind of what got me to that point. Oh, I love that so much. I love everything you're doing with Threefold and just connecting the brands to the suppliers, to the manufacturers. I want, there's so much that you just said that I want to touch on, but there are a couple things. One, first yeah. and foremost, I feel like let's just let's just get this out of the way. You were talking about how, you know, in a lot of these third world countries or, or underdeveloped countries, fashion and manufacturing actually has been huge, like in positive ways for mm-hmm. those people, for their economies. But I think for so many of us, we when we think of, you know, something being made overseas or whatever, we have the perspective of sweatshops or, you know, like child labor or whatever. Like we have this negative perspective of it, which I would love to hear your thoughts on this. I don't know that's like the worst, that's wrong. I don't think it's wrong. However, from what you're saying, like it's not an indicator. It doesn't mean just because it was made in India, it's made poorly or unethically or, you know, whatnot. So do you have thoughts specifically on the whole, which you, I know you and I had a personal conversation on this, the whole USA made versus overseas made, you know, sustainable versus not sustainable or not ethical. Like, do you have any other thoughts on that that you want to touch on? Because that was a part of your story, but man, we could go off on that. (laughs) Oh yeah. Um, that is my favorite misconception to push back on. Um, and I probably will never stop doing that. So, um, made in the USA is a very lazy bandaid that a lot of people use to not have to look at their factories, to not have to Mm -hmm. do their own due diligence and to not have to, um, deal with it basically. Yeah. Um, we have, and if you look up like past Google news articles and stuff, you'll find that there have been consistent crackdowns in Los Angeles's, um, fashion district in the garment district in New York, uh, where sweatshop conditions occur, lots of, um, underpaid, um, illegal workers that are underpaid or maybe paid under the table via cash and are not treated well. Um, that absolutely occurs, um, frequently. Maybe not as frequently as other countries, but definitely it's not, um, without blemish here. And, Mm -hmm. um, and then, like I said, there's incredible factories overseas. So, um, this notion that an address suddenly means you have standards is completely, um, ridiculous and unfounded. And so, um, that is why, I mean, it's one of the things that we're missing in the fashion industry that food is at least 10 years ahead of us in, which is that USDA organic stamp of approval. Um, you know, and this kind of goes to how does a, how does a customer know even, you know, how to shop and what to do? Cause it's like, I don't, I don't know what goes into an organic food 
you know, mm-hmm. stamp of approval. I just, I, I assume it's like less chemicals or something and like, it's better yeah. for me. So I buy the blueberries that say that. And sometimes <laughs> I want to save, you know, a dollar. So I don't like, you know, I really, I, I have no <laughs> expertise when it comes to the food industry. The same goes for fashion. You know, it's not fair um, for us to expect you as consumers to have to um, go read an encyclopedia worth of supply chain data to understand yeah. every single micro decision you make about your closet. That's ridiculous. Yeah. We barely have time to finish one email, reading one email on a phone anymore. <laughs> um, I know I can't. So yeah. Um, yeah, I think, you know, made in barely covers, scratches the surface of that. I mean, made in really only means the last place that the entire garment was assembled. So that could be the last 10% of the supply chain. Um, And the entire 90% was done, you know, in 20 different countries. We're going there. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, um, like pretty much everything in production, it's Pandora's box. Um, mm-hmm. It's very, very complicated. It, 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 it just goes everywhere. It's all over the world. And um, so the maiden label is not, doesn't really mean anything, to be honest. Yeah, I think there's so much in the fashion world, especially when it comes to, you know, trying to, whether as a consumer or as a brand, trying to make and impact even in our tiny little ways of what we're purchasing or what we're creating or whatever, there is so much that is either misunderstood or misrepresented, you know, within, like when I was starting Evie Swim, this is very specific, Mm -hmm. I thought made in the US would allow me, which I don't think this was inherently wrong. Mm -hmm. It it allowed me to go to my factories easily Mm -hmm. and check work environments, talk to employees, you know, be very hands-on with the process, which... I'm still glad I did because it did teach me a lot. But man, I had a wake-up call with the U.S. manufacturers. And I know you and I talked about that personally, Jessica, just the the way that U.S. manufacturers can treat their clients because there are so few factories here in the U.S. And they know they have you like over a barrel. And they know that they can screw with you. They can screw with your timeline. They can screw with your production. They can, you, you know, take advantage of you, which to me then puts up red flags about like, okay, well, you know, I've talked to employees. They seem happy. I know their pay rate. However, you're lying to me about X. How do I know you're actually treating your employees well? Like, how do I know they actually have those benefits? How do I know? You know, it just brings up a lot of questions. But then... Yeah you know, it, it then gets into the sticky part of like consumer opinion of if I did take my my manufacturing overseas, whether that is to, you know, Mexico, Guatemala, whatever, found an ethical factory there or Portugal or India or wherever, you mm-hmm. know, if I took it overseas, does is my consumer's perspective because of that stamp of made in the US or made overseas or wherever going to change and they're going to assume it's less ethical because it's overseas. Like it's so hard to navigate and figure out, you know, finding those good manufacturers who actually care, who are going to be ethical, who are going to treat their employees and you as a client and your product really well. And then also then you have to deal with the consumer's perspective and the buyer's and customer's opinion of what you're doing, which is just, it's all so convoluted. It's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's a very big challenge um, that Mm -hmm. brands have, which is, you know, first and foremost, it's okay. What do we do to become more sustainable? How do we make better decisions? And you, especially if you're an already established brand with, 
you know, thousands of units going out all the time. And, you know, you've got factories across 10 countries and you're shipping fabric here and there. And, you know, you've got, you know, hundreds of employees internally and thousands of employees externally that you're dealing with and you're responsible for. Um, navigating how to make one step at a time is that's really challenging and it does not come easy. And my goodness, it certainly doesn't come fast. And yeah. so then, then the second part is, okay, now how do we tell consumers about this? And that is just very hard um, for two reasons. One, there's only so much you can really communicate before you lose people, right? Their eyes are going to gloss over. Um, <laughs> I just, I, my favorite example, uh, when I, when I coach our brands that are our startup brands is, um, you have to get straight to the point and be very clear about the problem you're solving, the customer you're serving, um, how you're making their life better. Because I want you to picture like you're trying to talk to, um, a, a working mom of three and she's got one kid on her hip who's drooling, you know, a, a, a popsicle down her blouse and she's got a meeting <laughs> that's starting in, in five minutes and you're trying to stop her day to tell her how your pro- she should care about your product and buy your product. And also here's all the really lovely things we've done about the fabric and the buttons and the, the zippers <laughs> and the packaging. And, the, and she's like, honey, like I, I gotta go. So, you know, it's really hard. You know, we've, we've got very busy, distracted lives and those are not all bad things, but, um, you know, how do you choose the one thing to talk about when in reality you do, you've done a hundred things to be more sustainable. Um, so that's kind of part one of the issue that makes it challenging for brands. And then part two is, um, the one thing you choose to talk about, people want to cancel you over it because it's not good enough because half the people think it's not good enough. It's very hard. Amen. (laughs) Oh my gosh. It's crazy. I was shocked this is like a broad picture, but with Evie Swim, I was shocked at the kickback I got on both the sustainability front of people being like, okay, well, you know, what, what actually is like sustainable about this or, you know, asking like specific questions and I would answer and they're like, well, what about X? And I'm like, I just listed off 10 things that I've done from the start of a new startup to like make this as sustainable as I possibly can. And you're complaining about three others that I didn't do yet. Like I have to start somewhere. So that was one thing. But the other thing, this is a whole other beast of a topic, was size inclusivity, which was Mm -hmm. a whole like thing for me getting started in fashion that was absolutely mind-boggling, eye-opening, shocking was how the fashion industry is set up with sizing and how difficult it is for a startup brand to expand a huge size range from the start just because of the sizing setup of like, you know, extra small to extra large is quote-unquote standard sizing. And then beyond that, you're basically starting from ground zero again. Like it's a Mm -hmm. whole thing. And I was learning that as a creator, producer, brand. And then I was blown away and very discouraged, honestly, in launch phase by the kickback that I got of, you know, I was so proud of myself for extra small to extra large with this brand starting out because I knew more of the ins and outs of the difficulty expanding and impossibility as a startup expanding. Mm -hmm. But my consumers didn't know that. And so it was really like hard for them and hard for me to like, because we were on different pages and different understanding levels. So I think there's just so much, like you were saying, as a brand, there's only so much you can communicate. And even when you do communicate, like, yes, we're working on it. Or like, yes, you know, we're, we're, that's our next step. People are like, well, it's not good enough. Canceled. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. 
All right, entrepreneurs, let's face it. You're in a pickle. You're not attracting your ideal clients because your brand visuals are just meh at best. And you're not showing up as the professional ready to make their life 500 times better. Do you honestly feel like your website just sucks? Like your branding feels like you created it in Microsoft's Paint? Anyone else remember Microsoft's Paint? Is that just me? <laughs> okay. And your, your client experience just overall feels like it's seriously lacking. And you just need a change right now. But let's be honest, you're not ready to drop 8K on a custom web and brand design. Well, don't worry. That's where we come in. Introducing the solution to all of your website struggles, the Heart Shop website templates. Now, we spent hours designing these customizable, professional, and conversion-intense website templates with our incredible designer, Sarah Crook of Elizabeth Designs. They are so incredibly easy to use and customize with ShowIt's user-friendly interface. Yes, by the way, you can easily learn how to work with ShowIt, even if you've never touched a website or any design platform before. And you can change literally anything you want. No more being limited to squares on your website. It's a drag and drop system that is freaking easy and looks incredible. Oh, oh, you want more information? Cool, I got you. The templates come already SEO optimized with copy prompts from Lindsay and I included. Yeah, you don't just get nonsensical filler text. You get bomb education and prompts from Lindsay and I to help you wow your potential clients and crush your website copy. And we designed a variety of these in different styles so you can find the closest match and then tweak it to make it fully your own. If you're ready to save thousands of dollars and hours upon hours upon hours of your time and get clients flooding through your website, you need to check these out. So grab yours at theheartuniversity.com forward slash website dash templates. One more time, that's theheartuniversity.com forward slash website dash templates. Hey photographers, this one's for you. Real talk, have you ever felt like your photos just look stale? Like they lacked the oomph that you're looking for? Ever feel like you're not just like fully capturing the life and energy and story of your clients, but you just don't know how to fix it? Well, we've got some magic sauce for you, my friend. Meet your new best friend, The Posing Miner, our online course for photographers showing you how to capture those jaw-dropping, authentic photos of your clients that will leave them in tears because you capture them in the moment so perfectly. Yes, it is packed full with six course episodes, over 232 minutes of video content, and three bonus PDFs. Lindsay and I take you out into the field with us. Like, no, literally, we we go into some fields and we walk you through step-by-step how to pose families, couples, portraits or seniors, wedding parties, and a wedding couple. So if you are ready to say bye-bye to brain farts in the middle of your photo sessions, awkward silences and weird freaking prom poses, uncomfortable clients and subpar images, the posing minor is your new best friend. To see more and to join in on the magic, go to theheartuniversity.com forward slash posing dash minor. One more time, theheartuniversity.com forward slash posing dash minor. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's frustrating. I, I really wish, you know, there's so many things in the last couple of years that I'm like, oh, my generation's so annoying. Um, <laughs> because I'm like, gosh, like we, because of Google, I think we all think we're experts on everything. And, um, and we're so quick to give our, our opinions. And I'm often what I kind of always laugh at myself is I'm like, nobody's on their edge of their seat waiting to see what Jessica thinks about X, Y, Z. Um, <laughs> like no one's waiting for my opinion. They, they want to just have their own microphone. Like that's kind of the, the society we're in today. And, um, it, it's, it's frustrating. I think something in this, I hope anyone that's listening, that's trying to 
to build something, a business doesn't even have to be in fashion. And you're probably struggling with, um, you know, wanting to do the right thing and being really nervous or scared that it's not going to be good enough and wondering when, when it will be good enough. Um, first of all, it will never be good enough. So just take that pressure off of yourself. You will always improve. Um, but second of all, I heard this one time, and this was a long time ago. It was, um, you know, that, uh, the famous YouTuber Lily, I don't actually know her last name. Um, she's like a comedian, Indian yes. woman. She's very funny. Yes. Um, she, I think she like popped up on my explore page a couple years ago and it was like a video she had done where it was like what I say to my haters, um, online. And she basically was just kind of going on a little rant that I enjoyed quite a lot. Um, <laughs> and she was like, she was like, I don't, she was like, cause I, I'll tell you what, it used to bother me. And I started noticing every single time, like any single hater that I had, if you like actually look them up, they are doing nothing themselves. If anyone is actually building anything that takes guts and bravery to build on your own, you're starting from scratch and you're putting a, a pole in the ground and you're saying, I'm going to do something to make a difference. They are far too busy rolling up their sleeves and getting their hands dirty to go criticize anyone else. And um, I just was like, oh, I love that because it can cripple you. Other people's, not even other people's opinions, the fear of other people's opinions um, coming. They haven't even come yet. And it's like, that can cripple you from even getting out the gate. And how sad if you have this beautiful solution for the world and you never get started because you're afraid of what other people are going to think. Mm -hmm. um, and so many of us deal with that. And um, I just, you know, we, we shouldn't, we, we should just go be, go be doers, be, be solution builders. Um, and, do whatever you can to help yourself channel away from those, those unnecessary voices. Cause, um, they should, they should get to work too. Mm, that's so good. I love that. Just <laughs> who is being somebody who's busy and has their hands dirty is going to a know how hard it yeah. is and how much, you know, how multifaceted it is and how you can't do everything at once, or you're always going to grow and you're always going to make mistakes, you know, whatever, or they're just too plain busy on what they're doing to mm -hmm. care. Like, mm -hmm. it's just, yeah, it's so I love that. Okay. Well, Jessica, for the consumer perspective, because I feel like we've kind of been bouncing a little bit back and forth, but mainly focusing on the brands side of things. For the yeah. consumer who's listening to this, like they maybe aren't interested in ever starting a brand or anything related to that. What can they do, I guess, first steps to being a little bit more conscious of their purchases? And how can they know how to vet a brand and know if it is or is not taking steps towards sustainability and ethical manufacturing? Yeah, um, that can feel really challenging. I mean, the first, first and foremost, something that anyone and everyone, no matter their budget, can do is really start getting more honest and better with yourself on what you actually need to buy. Because you will start noticing that you probably have some habits of buying to feel better or buying because you're bored, going shopping because you're bored. Shopping is the activity of the day to pass time. Um, and you probably buy things that you don't actually need. And, you know, have, in, have any of us had that moment where we bought something we're really excited about, we get to our closet, we realize nothing matches it. So now we've <laughs> got to go five other things. So we have outfits to go with it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think the first thing is kind of getting a little bit more into a minimalist mindset with your closet 
of um, what are the things that actually bring me joy. So deleting the things from your closet that make you feel unworthy and unbeautiful and deleting the things from your closet that, um, I, I don't know, for, for whatever reason, you, you haven't worn it in, in three or five years and you're just hanging on to it for some reason, you know, sell that on a secondhand market. Um, you know, mm-hmm. uh, take it to a recycle, a clothing recycler. I mean, H and M and Madewell both take clothing in and recycle them. Um, so there's places that you can go when you, your clothing that you do have is lost the end of its life. Um, rather than just donating it, to, you know, don't goodwill's a goodwill's a good option. Um, but I, I like to do the other two first because you don't always know if that stuff on for goodwill ends up going onto the floor. Um, and, um, I, I don't know. I just, I trust those other two options first. Um, so I, I think the first and foremost is actually just taking care of the, the stuff you do have, um, and, and buying less. So getting better at what, do I wear what would complement it? What makes me look beautiful and great and feel powerful or feel, you know, whatever it is you're, you're wanting to feel. Um, and then do you really need it? I mean, my mom loves to shop and she'll text me all the time. And she'll be like, do you want this? And I'm like, no, I already have, you know, two black, you know, long sleeve tops. I don't need another one. And it, it really has nothing to do with, do I like that item? It's, I don't need that item. Um, and so getting more into uh, a discipline of need versus want, Um, and then for actual shopping, when you do have to actually shop, um, one great app that I love, um, a dear friend that is, um, a founder friend has, uh, started years ago, um, is called, uh, good on you and that they're based out of Australia and they have, it's, it's a, they grade fashion brands on, um, their ethical sustainability measures based on what they can find publicly. They don't personally interview every single brand. Um, and then they also alter, uh, feature and offer a lot of alternatives. So maybe brands you've never heard of, you can discover on their app as well. You can find them online or on the app store. Um, so that's a good place to go, especially if you want to discover somebody new to support. Uh, there's also like, I mean, you could go down the rabbit hole of like hashtag ethical fashion and find a bunch of brands that are cool. And then, um, threefold, we feature one brand every Saturday um, that's doing ethical, sustainable things. Um, so, uh, our Instagram features things, um, you know, at least once a week, but, um, that would be the other thing. And then I would say too, like, you know, maybe, maybe you don't have the budget right now, uh, for some of the really beautiful, ethical, sustainably made products. Um, and when that's the case, you have a couple options. You can either secondhand shop. So go to Poshmark or, uh, Depop or, um, your, you know, vintage stores in town. Um, and you can look there first. Um, I love the, the, the finding. So I, I personally have always loved that, Mm -hmm. um, the hunt. Um, but if that's not your jam, um, I would say again, like, how are you buying, like making sure you're buying what you need. Um, I actually had to buy some, um, Zara jeans recently. And it was literally because I had tried on like 10 different brands all ranging in pretty high price points. And none of them were 
big enough to go over my thighs and butt, but small enough to fit my waist. Yes. Great problem to have, I'm aware. I, but, but um, you know, sizing is really challenging, like you were saying. Yeah. Um, so even if you have, you know, a full range of sizes, that doesn't necessarily mean it'll fit me, even if it is my size. Mm-hmm. So jeans are really hard for me. And so I ended up finding that pair. And you know what? I will wear them to death and I will mend them over and over and over again um, because that's what I do with my clothes. So when you do have to buy a brand that would be considered fast fashion. Um, just again, making sure you're not, you're buying it because you really truly need that item, not because you're bored. And, mm-hmm. um, and then once you have it, actually launder it properly. Don't overwash it. We tend to do that here in America. Um, and mend it and find natural um, ways to clean things. Like my whites, honestly, they get the whitest when I use this like combination of um, white vinegar and Dawn and I'd let it sit on them before there's any stains, yellowing in the armpits or anything like that before I wash them. Mm-hmm. And it picks it up, it gets it out. And I've gotten the worst stains out of whites. Um, so um, looking into other alternatives than just the trash bin. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, there's lots of paths you can take. Oh, so many tips there. So many things. <laughs> I love that so much. You just dropped like a gold mine of information as a consumer. <laughs> I feel like people have to go back and like repeat that section multiple times to take notes, which is <laughs> yeah. so good. I love that. Okay, pivoting back, let's talk from the brand's perspective for any listeners who are listening to this who are either in the like have a fashion brand or wanting to start a fashion brand or product brand, whatever. What are the top three things maybe, or just a few of your top things that you want every startup founder, whatever, owner, manager to know about getting started in ethical and sustainable fashion? What should they focus on? What do they need to know? You know, there's, there's so many things to, to consider when you're starting any business. Um, and the same goes when you're starting a brand. Um, even, you know, standards aside, Um, I think the most important thing and also the biggest mistake that I see early brand founders make is, um, trying to sell to everyone. You are not selling to everyone. And I know it's scary because you don't want to lose any potential sale because every sale is, um, you know, life-changing when you're just getting started. Um, but the, the analogy that I always give is if you are standing in the middle of Times Square in 2019, so pre-COVID, <laughs> in the middle of Times Square, and you're just yelling "Hey!" and ringing a bell on the corner, um, no one is going to turn around. No one cares. Um, but if you are standing in Times Square and you go "Evie," Evie's going to turn around and she's going to be like, "What?" And that is the difference. In if you can get super granular and super niche and keep that focus. Um, on who it actually is that you are serving, who is your actual customer. Um, That's part one of your focus. Part two is what's the actual problem that you're solving. I can't tell you how many people have come to me and they're like, I just couldn't find the best t-shirt. So I'm going to make a sustainable t-shirt line. And I'm like, "Mm, I feel like that's not true. (laughs) you know, I feel like you didn't do your market research and you just wanted to get started. Now, here's the thing. At the end of the day, you're never going to stop humans from creating. We are meant to be creators. We were created. Um, but, um, be honest with yourself and on not honest, not only honest, be, um, hard on yourself. Like 
really, really study the market. I want you to be solving a problem, not creating something and going to find the problem. Um, really, truly know the problem you're trying to solve. And is that the solution? I just heard um, doing a lot of programming right now for threefold for our growth. And someone just had a really good example the other day I thought was brilliant. Um, they were like, if you sell um, drills, you are not selling a drill. You are selling someone's need to put a hole in the wall. So if another cheaper or better or more fun or fantabulous way to put a hole in the wall comes onto the market, you know, they are going to go buy that. So you really need to understand that you are selling holes in the wall. You are not selling this drill. I don't care if it's, you know, pink and sequin bedazzled like Mariah Carey's <laughs> microphone. I don't care if it, you know, um, floats and does it for you. I mean, that's pretty cool. But, um, you know, you need to really, really be honest with yourself and hard on yourself. What is the actual problem we're solving? Because if you really are honest at the end of the day, like everyone has clothes, you know, no one's like, oh, I might go out naked if I don't buy this brand. Like, <laughs> that's amazing so like you know you need to really know like okay what am I solving there's an awesome brand out there right now move mama that I just love she's actually here I've been in Charlotte during the pandemic and um she's got these cool um tees that like uh, their maternity nursing nursing t-shirts but they actually look super cute and they have like a hidden zipper over the boob line that like so you can just literally zip it open and like feed your baby and then like zip it back closed and you would never know because it just looks like a cute color blocked tee i'm obsessed That's with it like what so a cool, cool design idea so instead yeah. of like draping a cloth over yourself or wearing you know one of those weird drapey shirts um, you, you can wear this cool color blocked t-shirt that looks like your normal shirt would look anyways. So, you know, right. Isn't that awesome? So it's like really clear problem. Here's the solution. And that's where you should start before you waste a single penny on developing anything, um, and trying to launch a brand. Um, so that's Mm. two. Uh, I don't even know. I guess the third thing I'd say, um, if you really want to talk about, gosh, because there's, there's so many things you can do um, in starting a brand and when it comes to standards. Um, so I don't know, I would say you can, hey, you can come to Threefold and we've got lots of training. We have a coaching club that takes you through um, all the nuts and bolts of starting a brand production, marketing, branding, crowdfunding to get money, um, how to build your wholesale accounts, how to get featured in press, um, because there's a bajillion things that go into starting a brand and um, odds are you're not an expert in all of them. Um, mm-hmm. So that's probably that or anyone else. Like find someone wiser, more experienced, smarter than you that can come in and help be your um, Gandalf and, and help you build your brand as a, as a, a wise uh, counselor. Can't amen all that enough. What, (laughs) Jessica, would you say as we're like heading towards the end of this interview, what would you say is the biggest lesson that you've learned in business? It's like a question we ask almost every guest and I know it's a doozy, so. (laughs) Yeah. um, Gosh, there's so many, there's so many good ones. I feel like I have so many like business mantras I live by. Um, My latest one though is not only be comfortable, but kind of become obsessed with failure Mm. because we make it this big, gloomy, scary, static place. 
Um, but actually failure is a lesson. You do not fail unless you stop. I mean, I guess, but, um, there is no failure in life because every single experience you have, it informs the next place you're going to go. Um, and the same is true in business. Um, and that's why I was just telling a friend the other day, I was like, Oh, I feel like I'm failing at everything. And she was like, no, you're not. You're amazing. And I was like, that's why I keep you around. But also, <laughs> um, it, it's a good thing. Cause it's like, okay, this isn't working. How can we get this better? Like if you're going into business, just be prepared to know you're just solving problem after problem. Yep. Um, oh, wait, and I, yeah. Like it's all, that's all you're doing. I mean, you, you're not starting a business, you're solving problems. A lot mm-hmm. of them. Um, and so every, every point along the way is going to teach you something. So when I started threefold and no one really cared about my marketing services, um, I was like, okay, what else can I do? This isn't working. Also, this is kind of a waste of my time. This isn't even what I wanted to, the outcome I wanted to have. Um, so it's always a learning lesson, um, to help you become far, far more obsessed with your customer and how you can serve them. It's not about you. You step out of the way, honestly. And when you do that, it makes failure less personal um, mm-hmm. because it is just a matter of experiments and and then moving on to the next stage after you learn something from each experiment. Oh my gosh. Jessica, you're amazing. I love chat. I love talking with you. It's <laughs> so fun and so... I don't know. You just have so much insight, but also like so encouraging. You know, those people who just dump information on you and you're like, I'm so overwhelmed. I feel like <laughs> you dump information, but then you're like, but it don't, don't do it all at once. One step at a time. And you're like, okay, release. Like yeah. I can do this, which is just so good. I feel like that's what we need in this area of the industry in the world is, mm. okay, it's not going to happen overnight. Like we yeah. have to take this one step at a time, both as a consumer and as a brand. And I feel like you just brought so much information today for both perspectives that yeah. is thank just you. amazing. So thank you for being here. Oh, I'm so honored to be here. This has just been, I love talking about this. I think more people should go after their dreams and um, you know, you're going to figure it out along the way. That's how you become an expert. Yes, that's true. Okay, Jessica, for anyone who is now obsessed with you and ready to learn from you, grow with you, discover threefold, all of the above, where can people find you, get connected with you, learn from you? Yeah, so if you are looking to build a brand, wanting to find a supply chain that's ethical, um, threefold.com, um, it's spelled T-H-R-3, E-F-O-L-D. We snuck a little number in there. Um, so threefold.com, um, we also are very active on Instagram. So at threefold, and if you just want to kind of see behind the scenes of how I'm building my business and get encouragement and inspiration and a little bit of business tips, um, on building any business, um, I talk a lot about that on my personal Instagram, which is Jessica Kelly. Um, but I have also snuck threes in there. So my E's are threes. So it's J three S S I C A K three L L Y. That was really mainly just because Jessica Kelly's kind of a common name. <laughs> and you're like, I need to find a solution. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Again, solving a problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I love it. Jessica, thank you so much for giving us your time today for being here, chatting through all things fashion, sustainability, ethical manufacturing, ethical brands, all of it. It's This is just a conversation that needs to be had, needs to be discussed about openly and honestly between all parties involved. And I love that we were able to have this conversation today. Oh, I'm so, so honored to be here. Thank you. And 
Um, thank you for t- telling my story. I, I, I just, I hope it encourages other people to, um, just be brave and go, go after what they're thinking, because I promise you, um, we all feel the same way. It's called imposter syndrome. No one feels like they have all the answers when they start and they feel like they can't just go do it and figure it out. Oh, a freaking men. Jessica, you're the best. Oh, thank you. Thank you, honey. Have a great day. 